Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 130 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm back in Chiang Mai and here with Freddie Trimble. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Yeah. So where are you from? I'm from London. Yeah. We, we can hear that okay. in your accent. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what brings you to Chiang Mai? Um, so long story, really. I mean, I, I heard about your podcast about a year and a half ago now, actually. Okay. Um, and that was after quitting my job in London. I was working for a PPC agency. Okay. Um, so, for P- so if you guys don't know, PPC is pay-per-click agency. I'm assuming with like Google AdWords. Exactly, or, yeah. Okay. Primarily with AdWords. And what were you doing with them? Um, so I was working for this agency who uh, run campaigns for multiple clients, ranging from small clients up to clients that were spending about half a million ad spend. Okay. Um, but you weren't you're getting that half a million, right? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay. So what were you, like, what was your actual role in, of, of the business? So I went in as a, an account executive, so sort of, you know, entry level. Uh, yeah, sort of just learned PPC from the ground up. Um which was really good. Um, they were sort of really high level with their PPC and I learned really quickly. So Okay, cool. So the job itself wasn't paying you a ton of money, but you got some good skills that you could use for other things. Yeah, that was sort of the, yeah, my vision at the time. I mean, yeah, it was an entry level uh, pay of 20 grand a year. 20,000 oh, 20, 20, 20, pounds. pounds, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's not bad then. I mean, that's still not that much and living in London is still a bit of a struggle. Lucky enough, I was living at home, so. Uh, okay, good. So do you know so, what your living expenses were living at home and what would they have been if you had to live on your own? Well, it was super low. All I was, I mean, luckily my mom, I was like living, with, living with my mom and yeah, she wasn't expecting any rent at that time. Um, so I was just living you know, money on eating, food, going out. Uh, so it wasn't much at all. Um, but yeah, if I were to have my own place, it would be probably even looking at just uh, just renting a room in a shared house. I'll be looking at 600 pounds a month at quite a nasty place. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. yeah, makes sense. Um, and then after tax, I was probably only bringing in about a grand 200 a month. So if I were. Okay. So, it was a good scenario for you to, to live at home, get the experience. Exactly, yeah. Right. And then, so you started listening to the podcast and then, and then what happened? Yeah. Well, actually around that time, I was, I think I, uh, I read the 4-Hour work week, as you do. Um, and yeah, I just started getting inspired about, you know, doing my own thing. And I've co- kind of always wanted my own thing. I've never been one to sort of yeah. be a cog in a wheel. Um, Did you find the podcast before the 4-Hour work week? Um, it was after. So, um, I, I think that's normally what happens. Yeah, right? yeah. It's kind of funny. So yeah, um, I read the 4-Hour work week and I was just, you know, just started thinking about what I could possibly do, you know, learning to see what's, you know, a skill to monetize, go at, go at it alone. Um, and then I actually got to like six months or so working in this job and got to the point where I'd pretty much learned the whole sort of you know, process. I got pretty good at it. Um, then I just kind of ended up same things every day. Yeah, I just, my enjoyment. Just- I, I think that's super smart because I think there's a lot we can learn from, from working at a corporation or another job, but, and we can even really enjoy it for the first year or so. But I think as soon as we start you know, dreading it. We start kind of just going through the motions. Yeah. That's when we should get out. Yeah, for sure. Um, And yeah, it was literally like one morning I woke up and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I just, it was just literally like that kind of uh, light bulb moment. Week. And I was just like, yeah, it's, it's time to get out now whilst, whilst I can, you know, before I get sort of too, you know, deep into this company and in my role and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I just made that split decision to, to quit there and then. <laughs> um, I've kind of always been like that. I've been kind of like 
Nugent. I like that. Okay, so you made the decision, and then what? Um, I, I I quit that job with the vision of going freelance in PPC, and I had heard about Upwork, uh, kind of browsing on there, seeing if there's any C gigs uh, going, and I found a few. So that was my kind of like vision was to just quit and then start building up a profile on Upwork. And yeah, that's exactly what I did. Um, I just, as I said, I was living at home. I was uh, I just I was just grinding it out. Uh, got a few sort of low level clients. I was pretty much working for free just so I could get my um, you know build up my profile and yeah from there I just it started scaling up really quickly I could increase my rates and within probably two months I'd replace my salary so oh congrats uh, man yeah, yeah that's cool uh so what were your rates when you started and what were they kind of at the top I started at literally like five six bucks an hour it was literally just so I could get you know um, you know, feedback. Um, and I was kind of just going above and beyond what people expected. So I could get that good feedback. And then I think I had increased it to like 10 and then like 12, 15. And I got up to like 25 bucks an hour. And this um, is pounds or dollars? Um, it's dollars, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, so, and yeah, that pretty much replaced my income. And yeah. Very cool. So are you still freelancing now? I'm doing a bit now, um, sort of on the side. Um, I was doing that solidly for about uh, a year, just over a year. Um, and then um, I was introduced to your podcast um, for another guy that I'd met on Upwork. I wanted to like network with other people who are doing PPC management on Upwork. And I got chatting to him and he was more into sort of like, uh, you know, digital nomad lifestyle, which I wasn't, you know, hadn't really been exposed to much yet apart from the- Wait, fo- how do you meet people on Upwork? So I, I literally, I just went on like, you can search for other freelancers and I was just looking for like sort of top um, PPC freelancers. Um, and then it usually has a second name. So I just went on Facebook, added him. Um, That's crazy because I mean, first off, I never hear of that because technically that guy's your competition right technically yeah but i guess like it could be mutually mutually beneficial to sort of you know share you know ideas and you know strategies for getting new clients and but yeah i see what you're saying yeah yeah but yeah, i like that mindset of yeah. thinking of abundance mindset thinking more of how can we help each other how can we collab you know collaborate yeah. or how can we both you know earn more money yeah then i'm taking up a, a part of your pie yeah and i generally feel the people who are free people who are freelancing aren't so you know cutthroat um and it's i don't know i think gen- yeah generally people are more sort of have that abundant mi- abundance mindset so i like it well at least the people you surround yourself with right because I'm, sh- I, I I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people out there that will be yeah. like there's no way i would you know befriend um you know my, my competition even if it's through upwork or freelancing yeah yeah well yeah, so basically I reached out to this guy who was really cool. Um, yeah, we just got chatting. It was more so about sort of like the lifestyle of freelancing and, you know, being digital nomad, which I was really interested in. What was that um, guy's name? Um, I think his name was Ted. I and can't remember his, yeah. his second and Was he living abroad or like where was he from? Um, he was from Australia and he was, um, I think he was in Thailand at the time, yeah. So yeah, I was just oh. asking him. He had been doing it for two or three years, you know, traveling around. So that just gave me that sort of inspiration to, to do the same. Okay, cool. So um, shout out to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he, he was listening to your podcast at the time and he just sent over a link and I was like, I was already at that time listening to loads of podcasts like Tropical MBA, um, you know, Tim Ferriss's podcast podcasts so i was you know i was like working at home alone so like it's kind of what got me through today you know um so he recommended me yours i started listening to that and instantly i just loved the vibe of it just loved you know how you focused on you know not only the business but the whole lifestyle around you know traveling and and stuff so um yeah and then since then i was just listening listening to it on a weekly basis yeah that's cool actually so shout out to dan and ian from tropical mba i listened to them a lot when i first started because it was the same thing i was kind of just working on, on my own especially when i was back in the u.s um, I was already in, in Thailand, but even then, I wasn't. There was no nomadic community around, mm-hmm. so they were 
pretty much the the only ones that had a podcast kind of about it and the only problem was and a lot of people mentioned this now too is they became like real businessmen yeah yeah <laughs> and they kind of stopped doing the digital you know lifestyle as much you know they stopped traveling as much and they're you know diving kind of a little bit deep and it was too deep for me it was it was just too advanced yeah so i think when i started uh my podcast it was kind of it was definitely influenced by them but it was kind of more like okay let me let me start at like the low level yeah, where yeah. you're just starting out because at that time i was like barely making money too yeah yeah and i was just mo- more focusing on like traveling cheaply and kind of networking many people too yeah yeah i think when i found them uh, that that podcasts they were quite advanced as well so what i did is i could download like their archive which is like a previous 250 episodes and yeah listening for listening to it from the beginning was definitely beneficial yeah um yeah okay cool so you, you started listening to my podcast and then what happened um i was just listening to that on a weekly basis whilst i was still doing ppc um that was kind of my sole focus um, um and that must have gone on for maybe like uh, up until the end of 2015 or so um you're living at home, working out of your your mom's house. Yeah, doing PPC on on Upwork. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then my next sort of goal was to to get out of England. That was like always my goal since I since I graduated. Really, um, uh, I, I studied economics um, at university and um, up in Sheffield in the north of England. Um, and yeah, I just most people go. You know, their first um, step is to go to London and just keep working your way up. Mine, well, my perspective was just to go to London and work my way up a bit just to get that bit of experience so I could then go somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I got I got to a stage where the PPC was bringing me you know decent monthly income um, and then I actually moved out to Canada um, with my ex-girlfriend now. Um, yeah, we moved out to Montreal um, as yeah, we both saw it as like, quite a cool place to go um, and the visas were quite easy to get. So yeah. That's a bit random, right? So it you, is very you, random, you start, yeah. Yeah, I started listening this podcast about living in Thailand yeah. well the thing is like I, I think I had to sort of balance it with like my ex-girlfriend and I were kind of we both wanted to you know go move somewhere else together um, so I kind of had to find a happy medium um, because uh, you know she wasn't working online she, she was just graduating that summer of 2015 um, so yeah, we, we sort of settled on that, and yeah, moved over there. Um, so how, how was it in in Quebec? Um, it was good. It's I really enjoyed it actually. Um, it's a cool culture. Um, it's quite a lot of like uh, it's very creative, quite young, quite a few entrepreneurs. Um, apart from the winter though, the winter was pretty pretty dull. <laughs> yeah. So even colder than England? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like minus twenty seven, it was one day. Um, yeah, that wasn't fun, but um, it actually turned out pretty good because you know what I got into next actually actually worked out beneficial because I kind of just had to grind out work uh, okay so what was, what was next then so next uh, was uh, Kindle publishing so I listened to your episode with Adrian Ingram um, I can't remember what month that came out now um, but I listened to that um, and yeah I thought it was really cool I liked the sound of it because I was kind of as I'd kind of got to a level where PPC was bringing me enough money I was looking to start something else on the side you know um, just to sort of diversify a bit um, and yeah I loved the sound of it and actually when I listened to it I uh, I didn't actually uh, sort of I didn't think to sort of actually take action on it at the time I was kind of umming and ahhing and I thought there might be I was kind of still in that sort of scarcity mindset a bit um, where I thought there might be you know too much competition or you know it's not really feasible anymore um and then i think it was maybe a month or two later i i was on one of the i'd already joined some like chiang mai digital nomad groups just to you know see what's going on and adrian had posted um a, a short ebook that he'd written which was about how you can sort of go through the whole process yourself so i saw that and it was like he posted it up for like 99 cents so i was just like bought that read for it in you know an hour or so and i just had this sort of like another light bulb mo- moment and i was just like i'm doing it like this is perfect for me 
I like it. So that, I just looked it up. That was episode 84 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Um, I'll make sure we have a link to it in the show notes so you guys can hear it for yourself. And you're actually you're not the first person who I've met or actually has even been on the show that has heard that episode and was like, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah. So how was your success with that? Um, so it's been really good. Um, I think I started properly in February of this year. Um, and I went through a course um, which was recommended by Adrian, which was on the podcast, um, K Money Mastery, um, which was actually really good. It took, takes you through the whole process. Um, so yeah, I, I published my first book, I think very beginning of February. And I think I did my uh, keyword research really well, um, which is the most important uh, you know, stage in the whole process. Um, and I think that book did $150 in profit um, the first month, um, which I was really stoked about, you know, because- Yeah, that's awesome. So how much like did you actually put into it how much money how much capital was it did it take to publish that one book okay so i do it a bit differently from a lot of people because i've actually been writing them myself researching and writing them myself a lot of people outsource um you know and you know you can, can find sort of ghost writers for 150 to 200 bucks but um i've always been quite into writing and researching um so i just thought you know wh- why not just do the book first one myself see how it goes um it's kind of just you know thing on the side i was doing <laughs> it's quite funny i was going to like the local library to get like um, you know research books out and stuff so yeah kind of like being back at you a bit but <laughs> but yeah it was worth it and um and how long did it take you to to write that whole book and publish it it was quite a short one it was about I think about eight thousand words it probably took two weeks um i was kind of spending a few how, hours. how many pages is that is eight thousand uh, it's probably about 60 pages or so okay not, not so like a pretty short ebook and uh the cover did you make that yourself or did you outsource that um i actually did it all myself i'm kind of like into design and stuff i used to be really into photography so i've got quite a lot of experience in photoshop and stuff so I actually just did it myself and it looked pretty good and uh yeah, that made, I think, 150 in the first month. Um, and then halfway through February, um, my girlfriend at the time started getting really interested in it as well. Um, she had, she was working at, um, just like in a retail store in Montreal, um, well, actually in like a retail office. Um, and yeah, she wasn't too keen on that. So she saw that I was doing pretty well with this first book and she volunteered to um, help me out with it. And she, she was really good at you know, researching and writing. So she went and did the second book while I was sort of handling the marketing, you know, promotion side of things. Um, and yeah, I think she smashed out two or, two or three books over the next month. Um, and I think I did another one um, as well. So I think by the second month we had uh, four or five books, which was, yeah, um, which was great. And, you know, when you've got to go through this, you know, whole sort of uh, promotion um, process. I think for some people who are listening right now, if you guys haven't listened to episode 84, you might be thinking, how in the world was someone published four books or five books in two months <laughs> yeah but adrian you know kind of shares the whole story on on what it takes exactly what the steps are and after you kind of go through it you're like okay it, it makes sense yeah for sure um yeah it's it's very modular you can break it down into you know set of steps um and yeah just sort of you know did one and then sort of rinse and repeat for different niches um different keywords um and then by the second month the end of the second month we had done i think around 750 dollars profit um and the great thing is as we were writing them ourselves you know most of it was profit um yeah, not only is it profit, it's reoccurring passive income, exactly, which yeah. is my favorite. I mean, that was always my always my dream, you know, like I was, you know, doing PPC freelancing was great, but, you know, it's a lot of legwork and it's con- it's still trading your time for money, you know. I mean, it's still great. You can travel and work, but the ultimate, you know. I think this is the next step. I, I actually recommend to a lot of people to start with freelancing because it's a little bit more straightforward. You're, you're, you are trading time for money, but you're it's very easy to wrap your head around. Like I have a sure. skill, I'm going to do some work for you. You can give me some money, I can do it from anywhere. I can make my move to 
Thailand or to Quebec. And then the next step, I, I really believe, and I, this is you know my favorite type of income is that passive income. Yeah. So that was that was amazing. You know, I couldn't really believe it. You know, just trying to trying to wrap my head around it. Um. And then yeah, once we did, I think you know we got to that after that second month. I just yeah, I just I was convinced that I could just keep scaling this. Um. And I kind of <laughs> convinced my girlfriend to quit her job. Um. Because I just knew it was the right thing to do. If we both went at it really hard, we could scale it, you know, really fast, really um, quickly. Um, yeah, so she quit her job and we we just set some ambitious goals um, and we just kept scaling it up. I think the third month we did, I think we tripled our profit. We did like over 2K. Um, so that was almost, you know, replacing her income because um, the income's in Montreal aren't particularly high. Um, a month after that, I think we doubled it. We did like 4K and then um, 5K. And then I think by June, we got up to 6K. Um, Dude, congratulations, man. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were just really stoked and we just, you know, kept hiring away new books. But and were you still writing them yourselves or did you yeah. start outsourcing them? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, what we were really conscious of, it, conscious of is making really high quality books and long books. Um, and I'd actually reached out to Adrian before I started the whole process and he was really kind and, you know, give, gave me some advice and he was saying, you know, focus on quality over quantity. And I really took that, you know, uh, you know, I bear that in mind and that's what we did. So, yeah, I like that. I think back in the day, you know, I would say a few years ago, you can pretty much just put out anything. Exactly. And yeah. because there's no one else writing books about it, it was easier to game the system, get reviews. Yeah. That didn't really matter. But with Amazon now, whether you're doing FBA and you're private your product or you're doing Kindle publishing, you have to have good quality. Yeah, for sure. You've got to have, you know, something that differentiates. You know, you're putting out a product there, essentially, even if it's a book, you know, you've got to differentiate. Um, so that's what we did. Yeah, we, we sort of, you know, we look for profitable markets and then we just... A lot of the keywords we found were books that had been outsourced. So we could, you know, straight away beat those for quality. Um, and we found that to be really effective. Yeah. See, if those people were smart, what they would what they would have done is they would have tested the market by outsourcing it, throwing it up there. And as soon as money started coming in and it's been proven and they knew, hey, this is something that people are really buying, they're spending money on. Let me reinvest some of that time or money into either outsourcing a better writer or, you know, if they wanted to rewrite it themselves. Yeah. And just, you know, they can keep the reviews and keep the ranking. They can keep the, you know, they can basically keep everything and they can just update the actual content. So the next yeah. person who buys it, they're like, wow, this is a great book. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, really going to leave a good review for it. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, ultimately you want to get your books to a position where they're getting organic reviews and you, you don't have to, you know, worry about trying to, you know, do review swaps any any stuff like that um, yeah but actually whether most of the profits come from now are paperback um, the margins are much higher um, I think about about 75% of the profits are from paperback yeah so um, uh, Amazon have a, a platform called create space where they they can print your books on demand um, so you know customer will order it and then at the time of the order they'll just print it and send it straight out to them so it's pretty cool yeah like I think I have both my books um, Life Changes Quick and Tofix in Thailand with Create Space option yeah. uh, and I haven't really looked into it but I'm, I'm sure I, I, you know I definitely know people have bought it because people have sent me photos holding the paperback yeah yeah, yeah. but I kind of just like the idea of people physically getting a, a paperback yeah, yeah, book for sure I mean I haven't actually like held any of my you know, our books um, you know physically but I think it'd be cool just to have one copy of it just to perhaps you know, yeah. to really because then it becomes real yeah you know? for sure yeah, I see what you're saying. But um, yeah, so I, like really it was um, paperback that, you know, really made this grow quickly. Um, have you have you tried the audiobook route? 
Yeah, so um, that's kind of something I've been uh, expanding into in a, over the last two or three months. Um, it's really good because you can sort of diversify. So you start with Kindle, and I kind of see Kindle as sort of like the the platform that you use to you know promote your book and get reviews. And the great thing is when you trans um, transfer your books over onto CreateSpace as well, you keep all your reviews. It's on the same product page, and then you can um, diversify into audiobooks which is um, you know on Audible, audible.com. Um, and there's a platform called ACX, which you can publish on. And it's actually free to do because what I've been doing is um, you can upload your manuscript and there'll be voice artists that will record your book. Um, and then you'll do a royalty, royalty share on, on any profits. Um, because the thing, the thing is with ACX, it's a bit more difficult to gauge profitability before you get into the market. Um, so it's it sort of mitigates your risk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a great idea because then you're you're really outsourcing it where you're not the one reading the book. You're having a professional voice actor or actress read it for you and you're not even paying them up front. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, it's no extra work. You just upload it and you're just, just a, you know, an extra stream of income. And I think now that's doing, it's not much, but I think it's doing about 500 profit a month, which is just pure yeah. passive. I and mean, that's pure passive profit like, that you didn't have to do. You, you All you really did was upload it yeah. and have someone else to work. Literally, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's crazy, yeah. I, so I think there's so many takeaways from this, just like even kind of starting from the beginning. You know, uh, instead of working, continuing to work at a job that you weren't really getting more out of, you said, hey, I've learned everything I can learn from my job. I'm not loving it anymore. Maybe move on doing my own thing. Even if I had to trade time for money, you did that for a while. You you built yourself up. Freelancing got yourself enough of a nest egg to be able to move abroad, move somewhere cheaper or a little bit cheaper, I guess. Much cheaper, actually, Is it, was it much cheaper? Yeah, yeah, wow. Sure. I mean, like I could have... Oh, <laughs> much cheaper. Yeah. And um, yeah, like we could afford to have our own apartment there, which, you know, I would have struggled even just having my own room in London. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. So so you, you moved out, got to travel a bit, kind of expanded your horizons, started networking with other digital nomads. And then you, you know, found what resources they use in, in this case, you know, through this podcast and then through um, the Kindle course. And then you did it. You know, like I think that's actually the, probably the most important thing to learn from this is that you just went out and did it, and you didn't take any shortcuts. You weren't trying to, you know, get rich overnight. You weren't trying to take the easy route. You actually, if anything, you did the hard route. You said, "I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it the best I can do. I'm not gonna take any shortcuts. I'm gonna do the opposite. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the 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 long way, but I'm I'm just gonna get it done. Yeah, I was definitely you know looking looking at the long term because you know I kind of mapped out my ideal lifestyle, you know, and. Uh, all right, so we actually just took a, a short break to move out to the living room. Uh, the AC repairman was here, and we, we were, we've been in, the, in my bedroom this whole time. <laughs> uh, but uh, Freddie was actually just saying how he's enjoying kind of reminiscing about, about this whole journey. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I think it's easy to sort of uh, forget your sort of journey to an extent and also think it's easy to get a bit complacent and, you know, yeah, it's just it's nice going back in my, in my mind and sort of, you know reliving the journey to an extent just you know yeah and also kind of celebrating all those wins exactly yeah i mean it's only been just over a year and a half since i quit my job but it, it honestly it seems like it could have been a decade like you know the amount of you know things i've done the books i've read you know the books you've written and books i've written yeah um yeah so that's I think, cool man. i think it's just been a huge mindset change you know over the, you know since then like I think reading's a, a, a huge one. I mean, yeah. Uh, cut off the top of your head, any any books that stood out? Um, okay, so as I said before, like started with the Four Hour Work Week, um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's a you know big one. You know, really a uh, you know, really great book. Uh, Millionaire Fast Lane. That, that's a really great book. Um, that really sort of shook me up a lot. Just yeah. you know, what's crazy about Millionaire Fast Lane is 
so I listened to the audiobook and I was thinking like man this guy's just repeating the same thing yeah, over and over but what I realized is he's just trying to drill it yeah. in your head yeah it's like um do you know Jim Rohn? Yeah. Yeah. So he used to like repeat his, his stuff at like every single seminar. And it was like, you know, people ask him, you know, why do you just keep repeating it? It's just like, you know, repetition is, is king, you know, like until you can actually, you've just got to keep re- repeating until you actually apply it, you know? So if you guys haven't read the book, it's really helpful for, I would say people that have the, like the spending mindset, you know, it like basically me when I was in college, you know, always wanting to buy the new fast car and then to fix it up yeah. and then to buy new clothes and just like going out to the clubs and just spending spending money on a bar yeah. thinking those things would make me happy but also those things would make me successful yeah for sure when it's actually the opposite yeah definitely and I actually just watched this uh, little animation someone made about Rich Dad Poor Dad just randomly on YouTube yeah. um, but it was a good kind of uh, reminder of rich people buy assets yeah and then yeah so poor people i don't know what they buy but i think it was like middle class people buy liabilities that they think are assets so i think what it was is that like the poor mentality of poor people they buy straight up liabilities (laughs) you know for sure they put things on their credit card that they can't afford monthly payments you know yeah even small things like netflix and you know these monthly you know if they can't afford it you know and like well they'll, they'll do like um they'll go to rent a wheel and get like rims on credit yeah, yeah. or even furniture on credit and you're like man what are you doing you know if you can't afford it just don't buy it yeah and i've been to people's houses where or apartments where i know they're broke because i know they're in debt and then i go to their new apartment or the new house that they just bought that they can't afford they can barely afford that and it's decorated like an ethan allen magazine yeah and i think man like i understand you know i can kind of understand why you wanted to buy the house you know like i i personally don't want to buy a house especially if i'm, I'm broke but go ahead buy it but then bootstrap it you know sleep on a mattress on the floor for the first you know six months or a year until you can afford to furnish it you know like you don't need to go have everything be perfect like that those first three months you get in yeah i guess people always seeking that you know instant gratification you know and instead of you know living below your means in the short term so you can you know and i almost feel like a lot of it's just kind of a show for other people where they want to have their housewarming party but so they want everything looking great and perfect before you show up right before they show it to anyone yeah yeah like i don't think anyone wants to invite you over to their house and they have plastic cups or and they don't have um you know they don't have like paintings on the wall or whatever it is i think for me it'd be more impressive if someone had let's say their house and they all they had are the basics you know they had you know maybe a couch and like um a dining table or something and then yeah. that's it you know yeah. like really like you don't need all the other stuff you don't need like you know like an armoire with um yeah, yeah. china and stuff <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah it's just a mindset shift you know i guess i used to be more like that when i was a bit young you know sort of like you know, my teenage years you know you're always looking for the next sort of yeah. but i think a lot of that's to to feel fulfilled where if i had an empty apartment and there was space let's say there was empty space in my apartment i felt like i could not be happy or cannot be satisfied until that space was f- filled yeah and i'll do whatever it takes you know whether it's putting it on my credit card or you know, you know buying it even though i should be spending that money on something else i would go out and get it thinking okay once i have that then i'll be happy yeah and then it just keeps you know you know going higher and higher you just want the next thing and you know it's never ending it's a cycle um, yeah, it's yeah. Just a- and then you end up with so much stuff then you have all these liabilities that you can't get rid of they're holding you back then you definitely can't travel yeah it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a trap yeah but yeah so the rich dad poor dad was definitely a great one and then more on the sort of personal development realm Tony Robbins has definitely been a yeah influenced me a lot I've read have, have you seen his uh, new documentary yeah 
yeah. I'm not your I'm guru. Not a guru. Yeah, it's amazing. Every single person right now should put that on your list. It's on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, you can, <laughs> so if you have a subscription, if you can afford Netflix, you should have it. If you if you shouldn't be spending that ten dollars a month, if you should be spending that that money on something else, then don't have it. You go to a friend's house and watch it. Yeah, you know. Well, you could be cheeky and torn to it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's one of those things where like I think a lot of people just assume like like oh I need this. I need it. There's no other way. Yeah. Like, there's so many other ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like it. But I, I want to real quickly uh, talk about buying assets because it wasn't until I watched this this silly video almost that kind of like it it didn't teach me anything new. Right? I think that was the biggest complaint people had in the comment section. They're like, "Oh, this is all rehashed. This is all stuff you know, um, which that poor dad taught." Right? But I think having and it wasn't even good animation. It was like this terrible like stick figure just talking with like this, you know, inputted text. But what it reminded me of is that the wealthy are buying assets. And I realized that for these, at least the last couple of months, especially I've been doing the other podcasts, Invest Like a Boss. Yeah. Every month I get excited about buying a new asset. Like, And by asset, I mean something that pays either dividends or pays interest back or like somehow pays me money. Yeah, yeah. Or even at the low end, you know, you can create assets, you know. You know, like and that's how what well, I saw. You know, Kindle publishing as you know. Um, yeah, definitely. And you were even buying books. Yeah, is is buying an, an asset. Yeah, for sure. The ROI you get on you know you know say buying Rich Dad Poor Dad is just exponential. You know, I mean like certain books that can you know few books <laughs> I've read that I'd say have you know just changed my whole mindset and to an extent you know changed my life. Yeah. So uh, Tony Robbins, I read a lot of his stuff. Went through most of his audio programs. Um, also, a lot of philosophical stuff, you know, like uh, Stoicism, ancient philosophy. I found that really grounding um, just for sort of my mindset and stuff. So I actually wanted to ask, how come I don't meet that many English people who come out and do this, this lifestyle? It's a good question. I'm not really, I don't know if I can give you a definitive answer on that, but I would say it's a mindset. I, I, I would say... I'd say uh, sort of the American mindset is a <coughs> naturally a bit more entrepreneurial. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I definitely uh, think it is for for more people. There's definitely a lot of like a lots of fear as well. I don't know if it's more or less than anywhere else, but people, you know, we do kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, the number one watched television show in the US is Shark Tank. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I've been watching loads of Shark Tank and the funny thing is actually I watched, there's um, the equivalent in the UK called Dragon's Den and I watched that a couple of weeks ago and it was just so bad compared to... Yeah, well um, Shark Tank is just a better show. Yeah. I think it has better entrepreneurs on it. It's just, yeah. <laughs> the people, like the, the people going to have better stories, you know, it's always like this family that's struggling and they put their last penny to, to build this product in the garage or something and it's, it's and I can see why people like the show uh, I just hope that people actually go out and do, you know, just do it. They, they don't just watch it as entertainment. Yeah, it's about the only thing I watch. So. Uh, yeah. And have you seen The Prophet? Um, yeah, I have. I've seen it. Seen it. Is that where he goes in and then he has to, you know, you know, restructure a business? And exactly. yeah, I saw a couple of episodes. It was pretty good. I think I like Shark Tank for kind of uh, you know, like kind of easy watching. I don't, I don't think about it too much. I kind of just you know enjoy it almost more. You know, I learned stuff from it, but The Prophet with Marcus Leomis, I that I learned something from every single time. If anything, I listen, I, I learn how badly most businesses are run yeah. and how to prevent that for myself. Yeah, yeah, sure. I like it. So yeah. English people mindset. <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah, it's a difference in mindset. Um, 
I don't know, I can really only speak from personal experience. Like, none of my friends in England are doing anything, you know, remotely similar to me. Do so. they know that you're making seven grand a month now online? Uh, a couple of them do, yeah. Um, and what do they say? Um, they can't really believe it, to be honest. I mean, obviously they do believe it, but, you know, like, it's just, it's just I'm kind of in, you know, kind of a different world, you know? You should um, send them a screenshot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I've actually, like, distanced myself um, from quite a few of my uh, old friends. Um, just, just merely because of difference in sort of mindset, vision, goals. Um, and yeah, I, I do truly believe you're the, five, the average of the five people you spend most time with. Um, so, you know, trying to incorporate that. Yeah, I can see being very different, um, especially being out here in Chiang Mai. I, I, one of the things I missed most about being here is just being surrounded by go-getters, optimistic people. I have at least taken that first step of yeah. saying, let me let me try this. Not everyone's successful, but everyone here is willing to give it a try. Yeah, for sure. It's that, uh, it's that mindset that everyone has, you know. Or sort of, no matter what level we're at, we're still all sort of, you know, headed, headed in the same direction. Like, yeah. and well, so this last week was the first uh, Nomad Coffee Club that I attended since I've been back. So I've been yeah. back now for, I think, seven days, or well, less than seven days, like six days or something. Yeah. And normally the meetups have about 40 people that show up because we have this really tiny room in a crowded coffee shop. And this this time we said, you know what, let's, let's finally expand to a bigger space. Um, Peter Miller, who helps run the, the shop when I'm, um, well, not the shop the the club when i'm away he found a great new new space and then we looked around and turns out that right next door to our existing location they just remodeled and they have this huge space now that holds you know between 80 and 100 people and we thought great we have all this room now (laughs) and we had our first talk and it was packed again yeah it was rammed yeah it was awesome i think i came like um yeah, like a few minutes late and it was already already you know, rammed in it. I had to stand up. There wasn't any seats left. Wow, because uh, I, I counted 80 chairs. Yeah. So, like, we must have had, what, 90 people in there? Yeah, closer 100 at least, there. yeah. Yeah, it was great. And the talk was yeah. really, really interesting. So, yeah, definitely yeah. inspired me for, for next year, traveling around Europe. So Yeah, so the talk was, was when I gave about finding the next nomad community in Europe. And I'll give you guys kind of the synopsis of it. I've talked about it a little bit in the last couple episodes, um, but basically I searched the world for the next nomad hotspot just in case we need an alternative to Chiang Mai for visa reasons or for anything else. And I'm gonna choose either Portugal or Poland. And if you guys wanna know more, uh, I wrote about it on my blog, johnnyft.com, under my guide to to Lisbon and then also my guide to to Warsaw. Um, You guys can kind of decide for yourselves but all the infos there yeah yeah it's great I'm definitely going to be checking out you know a lot of those locations next year so well what I like about it is a few years ago nobody in the community was, was could not nobody but most people could not afford to even go to Europe it was just yeah, yeah. it was outrageous to them yeah everyone like, I guess everyone's just bootstrapping to the minimum and you know but it seems like now there's a lot of people who are making at least a couple grand a month yeah and a, a ton of people who are making like seven grand a month that's a lot of money man yeah like, well it it's it's split um I've actually last month I didn't I don't think I got this far when I was going over earlier like last month we did eight and a half k so that's awesome yeah are you, then, so are you still uh in a relationship no so we're we're split up now um but we're still working on it together which is great and we split the profits so yeah we, last month we did eight and a half uh this month we're on track for eight so yeah it's about you know 4k profit each yeah, a month that's amazing and, that's, and that sounds like that was more than what you were making back home oh yeah easily i mean yeah like i don't there, there are quite a few 
you know, a few jobs I could have in London now that would pay that much. And that's not the only thing I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm also still doing a bit of PPC that brings in about a thousand a month. Um, and I'm also doing a bit of eBay drop shipping, which I also found about through your podcast. So I guess I'm like a perfect student of a uh, nice. travel like a boss. Uh, that, this is why, this is what I love. Like, I love it when I can find, you know, good teachers that actually know what they're doing and then interview them and kind of pick their brains about it or, or find like students of it that, that have done well. And then I love it when people listen to the show from wherever they are and they're like, all right, let me give it a shot. And then they actually do it. Well, the thing is like, I'm now convinced that every online business model model works. Um, you know, whether it's blogging, you know, affiliate marketing, Kindle publishing, Amazon FBA, whatever. It all works. It's, you've just got to have the right mindset and you've got to, you know, actually follow through with it, you know, take all the required steps. And um, also follow a, a solid plan. Oh yeah, for sure. That definitely helps. I mean, you know, the Kindle course I took was great. Um, the David Vu eBay dropshipping course is amazing. Um, and yeah, I just, again, I just started that on the side just for just an extra sort of cash flow on, you know, on the side. It's, it almost pays for my lifestyle here whilst I can save most of the other money profits I make and I'm going to be looking to invest that in the next that, few. That's cool. So how long have you been doing that and what is that making now? So I started it, I, I bought the course in May um, and I just, it's more sort of just for fun really. I had a bit of spare time once I, you know, started to make more passive income from my publishing. Um, and yeah, I think I just started off listing like 50 products, made a couple sales, then I got up to like 100, 200. And yeah, I hadn't been focusing it, focusing on it that much over the last couple months. But um, more recently, I've been up in the ante and I've outsourced a lot of it to the VA. And it's up to about 500 pounds profit a month now. So That's great. And that's completely passive for you? Um, Semi-passive. I mean, um, now that I've outsourced the product uh, product uploading to VA, it makes it so e so much easier. I mean, I'm still fulfilling orders, but I could out I'm going to be outsourcing that within the next couple months, and then I'm just sort of finding products. Um, you know, and then that's smart. Yeah. I think I think that's cool that you're doing both. I, I would not recommend someone to do both to start with. I oh, would no, yeah, definitely not. Pick one, go through with it, have it start making money, yeah. and then start. Something. Definitely, I mean, yeah. that's that's a problem that even I suffered with. You know, initially, it's like that shiny object syndrome. You know, you've got to pick one thing and just, you know, you've got to be laser focused, get that tunnel vision going, and just you know, focus on that one thing for sure. I like it. So, what what is what is next for you? What are your plans here in Chiang Mai? So, I'm going to be staying here until at least December. I love it here so far. I mean, um, the community's great. We've met, you know, it's been three weeks and. Like countless, you know, countless people and really friendly people, really, you know, easy to get plugged in here. Um, and yeah, I'm going to just keep sort of trying to automate my existing incomes as much as I can. And then I'm sort of looking more now into investing, you know, some of the money I've got saved, probably into starting Amazon FBA, just because I'm quite familiar with, you know, the Amazon platform already. Um, I think I could do pretty well with that. So nice. Dude, was there a reason why you didn't go straight into FBA and you did these other two things first? purely a uh, startup you know capital um i didn't really have many much savings at all um and the great thing obviously about kindle is it's you know, apart from the course you know it's you know essentially free to get into unless you're i mean even if you're outsourcing it's only going to cost you know 150 to 200 bucks and if you follow all the steps correctly you can definitely recoup that investment very quickly so i like it if anything i think that even though publishing on kindle is very different from private labeling or selling things on F on amazon it's the same company same platform same kind of review system yeah i think you're gonna you're gonna take a lot from kindle publishing 
and transferring it to Definitely, FBA. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, just being able to identify markets that are already profitable, you know, once you've identified them, seeing how you can add more value, you know, by, you know, tweaking a product or what have you. And, and I guess even in a, in a lesser extent with, with David's eBay course, you're still, you know, looking for, for products, trying to figure out how to get it found and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're still using a ranking sort of techniques using, you know, keywords and stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. I like it. So after December, we're going to go? I'm going to go back for, for Christmas um, to London, um, but not for too long. Like, yeah, okay. I'm not really too keen. I mean, I kind of have to go back because I haven't seen my family for almost a year and a half. So <laughs> I'm kind of obligated to do that for a bit. But most likely I'll come back here. Um, come back to Chiang Mai, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's I mean, it's just perfect. It's, it's everything you need here to, you know, just, you know, just grow every everything, you know. And not only just business, you know, personal development, you know, it's great for, you can eat healthy here. It's great for working out, just, you know. Yeah, because you're around. a super fit guy. What, what, like, what is your diet like here in Chiang Mai? Um, it's been pretty good, yeah. When I first got here, it sort of went off track a bit, but um, yeah, I managed to get it back on track. I eat fairly paleo most of the time. So yeah, cutting down on carbs. Um, so a lot of people complain that Chiang Mai or Thailand is all rice, noodles, and carbs. Yeah. How do you eat paleo while you're out here? Um, most dishes, I'll just either order like an extra you know, plate of meat and then just ask them you know, to have it without rice. Um, I went to a place for lunch today. It was like this really nice soup um, with like chicken, um, veg, you know, and stuff. It was really good. And I just asked to have it without noodles. And it was still a fairly big portion. But yeah, that was 50 baht. So Yeah, so yeah. like one quid. Yeah, one quid, yeah. <laughs> cheapest so chi- cheapest to, chips, yeah. Yeah, cheaper than chips. <laughs> so if you wanted to, you could get two or three portions of that. Yeah, I mean, I just had one today because i you know i'd already in quite a bit before that but yeah usually i'll probably get two um and that's still you know two pounds so and yeah so the the healthiest i've ever been was my like i don't know two years ago in chiang mai and even then i it was hard to to eat paleo this is what like so, so two two or three years ago whenever i wrote life changes quick i started eating paleo and i started doing crossfit and i had all these excuses why i couldn't eat paleo here you know and, yeah. and back then it wasn't even as popular especially in, in thailand like everyone thought you just can't do it and instead of having that excuse on why i can't do it i just started thinking of ways i could and exactly like you i would i just would go to, to just random thai restaurants and say yeah. can i have the noodle soup without the yeah. noodles you always get some confused looks from the but it's usually fine i mean and you just do it right yeah yeah, yeah it's cool and right. even I actually remember the fittest I was, or at least like the lightest weight I was, was when I was in Vietnam. But it wasn't that I lost the weight in Vietnam. It's just that I had gotten in shape while I was in Chiang Mai. And then when I went to Vietnam, I was still in shape. So I was kind of just maintaining it. Yeah, yeah. But I remember, remember specifically uh, ordering pho without the pho. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the, I would go into restaurants and say, kind of the you know, beef noodle soup, but no noodles. And they would look at me like I was crazy. Just like beef and water. <laughs> yeah, beef and soup, right? And I'll put some bean sprouts in there or something. Yeah. And, but it was my dedication of just staying on that diet that kept me super fit. And these last four months being in Europe and being on a cruise ship, I gained so much weight, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's insane. Must be tough having, like, I guess it's all inclusive. So, you know, it's hard to refrain when it's all there. Yeah, it's like eating at a buffet five times a day. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing else to do on the ship. So you're just, you know, you're yeah. just gorging. Um, you're with the family and they're trying to feed you the whole time. Yeah. And then you're in, like, Italy. So you're, like, you're eating pizza and pasta and gelato. Yeah, yeah. But since I've been back, I have not had rice or noodles or any, you know, like, anything that was not yeah. paleo. Yeah. Smashing it. So I'm back on it, man. Cool, man. I'm back on it. Good so, for you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I really think that, it, ironically, Chiang Mai is one of the easier places to, to eat paleo, even though none of the restaurants support it. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I think that's definitely a, a way 
so you know if they started out a, a paleo restaurant here that was specific you know did specific paleo meals i mean i think that there must be a huge community of people that would be raving for it you know well there's a few more like all you can eat salad places now we can yeah like, even where our um coffee club meetup is now they have a salad bar and you can get like a chicken breast for you know five dollars so i'm gonna start doing that i'm start going there <laughs> yeah, yeah um but i think the reason why it's easier to stay healthy here even though there's no restaurants to support it is because number one you have no we have no other responsibilities you know like when i'm so when we're here in chiang mai versus when you're back in london even though you were living with your with your mom do you feel like you had more like day-to-day -day responsibilities or stress there? oh yeah for sure why do you think that is I don't know it's just so much more to so much more legwork you know like so many more things you have to fit into the day you know it's like muting you know even little things like going to like top up you know your oyster card with like you know, your transport card and then you know it's just just so much more headache <laughs> to be honest and it's know. weird because when i'm here i literally have zero responsibilities yeah like if i don't want to do something i just don't do it yeah and everything's fine yeah i i, I wonder if we is it the mindset we have while we're here or is it that when we're back home like we just are forced to do stuff I guess we're kind of forced to do stuff, yeah. I mean, it's just so much more you have to do to just sort of live that baseline lifestyle, I think, yeah. So I think it's that. We just have so much free time, no responsibility. But I also think because restaurants are so cheap that you're like, yeah, I'll order three dishes and, yeah. just, and just cut out half of it. And I don't care what it costs. Just, just you know, I just want it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, cooking's definitely a big one. I used to, even in London, I used to go to supermarkets and, you know, trying to think how you can best, you know, buy stuff for your diet. And then you also got to factor in costs, you know, you know, if you're not earning much you know it's not only yeah like you, you can't afford it to buy two or three meals yeah in, in london like oh yeah just just throw away the yeah, <laughs> the yeah. noodles yeah <laughs> or don't give me the bread or don't give me the rice for like a doggy bag to take that home <laughs> yeah definitely yeah all right so glad you are doing well in chiang mai um, I'm glad you're doing well with your business. I, I, th I think you should really pat yourself on the back for that. Yeah, thanks a lot. And I want to thank you for your podcast. And I think it's a great inspiration for people yeah. Yeah, trying to, try yeah. to get started online. I appreciate that. And if you guys are listening, the best thing you guys can do is become successful yourself. That way I have more podcast guests in the future. <laughs> and if anything, it's it's been so much easier to find great guests uh now that I've been back in Chiang Mai, that it has been in even in Europe, which you would think would be this, you yeah. know, this mecca of entrepreneurship. But it's 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 a it's a good life here. Yeah. I'm happy we're here. It'd be interesting to see what how it develops in Europe in the next say ten years. You know, I mean, even I think I think there are just more people that are, you know there are more remote jobs that are becoming available at the moment. So not necessarily people who are bootstrapping you know businesses, but just people who are you know working remotely. Well, we're gonna see what happens. Uh, until then, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate all the reviews you guys have been leaving on the iTunes store. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Freddie, are you on like Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? Um, kind of like a granddad when. It comes to social media i'm not really too big on it but um i haven't got a blog or anything so if you want to ask questions or anything you can find me on facebook it's freddie that's d-d-i-e trimble t-r-i-m-b-l-e and yeah okay cool i'll have a link to that in the show notes or you guys can come out to pun space in chiang mai yeah, either way <laughs> he's a guy that's always in a singlet with the back backwards baseball cap <laughs> all right guys see you next week all right big shout out to lauder 1986 from australia the must listen to podcasts calling entrepreneurs, travelers, investors, and digital nomads. If there's one podcast you listen to during your daily traffic jam to work, this is the one. Another uh, reviewer from Australia, Armit Atwal. Thanks, Johnny. I was a drifting leaf on the internet 
as I wanted to make more money online and I came upon your episode with an Australian couple who's doing well with their store and they explain how it is going to take a course while they're trying to figure it out on your own. Then I listened to all your episodes from 1 to 124 and looking for many more. We also have Dice Leon from Canada. Still catching up. I'm an honest reader. Let's keep this short. Besides the poor variations and audio quality, I love this podcast. Sorry about that, guys. Inspiring and definitely frustrating because I'm stuck in the 9 to 5 right now trying to figure it all out. <laughs> Please maintain a good audio volume. Often it's low. Sorry about that. Hopefully now it's going to get better with uh, Anthony on this full time. And then we have Spam from e-commerce United States. This These podcasts are both inspirational and highly practical. If you want to travel the world and learn to run your own business, listen to all the episodes starting from the beginning. You'll be glad you did. Thank you everyone for leaving all these great five-star reviews in the iTunes store. I know it's a bit of a pain in the butt, but if you're on an iPhone, click on the cover art a few times and hopefully it can bring you to a rating if not go to your itunes app on your mac or pc if you and search for travel like a boss podcast click review and hopefully you can get to the screen where you can add yourself a review and hopefully be on feature on the show see you guys all next week bye-bye thank you for listening to the travel like a boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.